Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us, milehighsports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at Mace Denver, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Sasquatch and Wildcard Casino and Blackhawk giving away a large model RC-104 Starfighter. What is that? It is a remote-controlled jet. you got to see this thing to believe it. And if you don't want it, no problem. They're going to give you $28,000 in cash instead. So get on up there for that promotion, but get on up there on us. We're going to give away 50 bucks to the first four callers. So 200 in total in the second hour of the show. And if you won in the past, you um, are not eligible to win again. Um, Mace is the first time I've ever seen you with glasses on, but just as importantly, not only do you have glasses on, but you have sunglasses on the bill of your cap. That yeah, is, is that, is that a new on. look that I'm not aware of? Is that what the young hip kids are doing these days? Well, I'm neither young nor hip. I would agree. Like, gran- like, like Grandpa Simpson said, I used to be with it, then they changed what it was. Now what I'm with is no longer it. Right. So uh no, the actually these glasses, um, they're kind of the anti glare glasses. But also I actually need some help with reading sometimes. My eyes are getting to be middle aged. And I don't want to wear the granny glasses, right? Boy, you just made me feel old. I've been, I have to wear both. Yeah. I have to wear, what are they called? Bifocals? Because I can't see when I drive and I can't. Well, well, although I did have LASIK done. I did have LASIK in order to be able to read. Yeah. So I don't need glasses to read anymore because I got LASIK done, but driving Everything is a blur unless I wear glasses. And that's the thing. I need glasses for that as well. But these but these are specifically to help with glare. Something like there's yesterday. There's no glare in here. Well, no, but there's glare off the screen. And the other thing is like yesterday when I did uh, the DMVR Broncos podcast, we do a live show. Never and there are these it. very bright lights. And right. after an hour and a quarter with those with those lights on. You know how sometimes you get a bright light and then you leave, but you can kind of see the image of it in your eyes a little right. bit. And I was trying to drive. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. When did you get those? Uh, a couple weeks ago. Where did you get those? Oh, they're just these are just twenty four bucks from Walgreens. Okay. Why? Allow me to chime in here, Danny. I- look at Andrew with these glasses on. I am not one that has an eye for this stuff. They are way too small for your face. And I'm not someone who even notices that. Danny, what do you think? Yeah, they, I guess they look a little small. Yeah, they, they, they're too small for you. Really? I mean, you're a good But look, if they're comfortable, then it doesn't really they're matter. They're comfortable, exactly. Well, I understand that. I'm just saying they're too small for your face. Well, I'm not being critical. I, I'm trying to tell you that you're a better looking guy than wearing glasses that are too small for your you face. I think they're too small for my face. I know they're too small for your face. Why? What, why, would, why do I need to have window panes? You don't, you don't have to. I'm just saying those are too small for your face. They're, the the lenses are just way too close together. Listen, really? t- take my advice. Don't take my. They were twenty four bucks. Yeah. If you told me that you went to Vision Works and you spent five hundred dollars on that, I would say the person who was who was helping you, the salesperson, they need to have their eyes checked 
because there's no way they would look at, if they looked at you and said, yeah, those look great. I'd say that person needs to be fired or they don't know how to do it. But I've job. seen myself in the mirror. I think they look fine. So I didn't, they think- look fine. You're not going to be wearing them out and about. You're wearing that at home when nobody is there. Is that correct? Well, so I'm also wearing them on camera now where a lot of people can watch. That's true. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Go get some tonight in Denver, Centennial, Longmont, Lyons, and Estes Park. You and I have had this discussion about Von Miller many times, that he says the things that people want to hear. I'm not suggesting he's lying. But he's a pleaser in that way. And again, I'll repeat what he said about Trevor Simeon. He has some traits that remind me of Peyton Manning. This past year, this is the best offensive line we've ever had. Right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, come on, Vaughn. I know you're trying to pump up your teammates, but let's be real for a moment. Vaughn said a couple of weeks ago he wants to finish his career with the Rams. But then yesterday... Yesterday's Super Bowl media day said, or press conference, I should say, I always wanted to be a Denver Bronco forever. I'll always be a Denver Bronco forever. I'm just in L.A. working. Which personality of Vaughn do you believe? Exactly. I don't know what to believe. I don't know what to believe either. Uh, you know, he, he says something, then he says something else that contradicts that. But you said he's a pleaser, right? Well, yes. He's, and, and yeah. I listen. When, I don't want to diagnose him. He was asked. He was asked about the Broncos and Demarcus Ware by a couple of reporters from the Denver area, right? Via Zoom conference, which basically substituted for the media day that you'd normally get at the Super Bowl. So I think the the pleasing thing is still there when you know you're answering a question from Denver. He does like to please. He does. He does like to leave you smiling. Right. That's that's his nature. The problem is. You don't know if he's really telling the truth. Like, and, and I, okay, I'm going to go back to the top of the show. Vaughn famously wears glasses. He has a foundation called Vaughn's Vision. Mm-hmm. He would tell you those are the most spectacular glasses he has ever seen <laughs> on a human being. If you asked him. Yeah, that's probably what would. He, that's what he would say. Because and he, I wasn't because trying he to wants be mean. To, he, wa- he wants to make people feel good about wearing glasses like he right. Like, like he wished that someone had helped make him feel good right. as a kid about wearing glasses. No, I, I'm even talking about a hat or a jacket. He'd tell you you look fantastic. Right, but the glasses in particular are kind of, that. that is his thing. Right, that, okay. So With that, he's been playing lights out so far in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said it last week when we talked about it briefly. I think the combination of Von Miller and Aaron Donald will slow down the tsunami that is Joe Burrow. Meaning the will to win. Why do you think suddenly his game has picked up when during the regular season with the Broncos, and you can make the case the regular season with the Rams wasn't particularly good? Well, it started to happen for him with four games left in the season. Yep. He had a streak of six consecutive games with at least one sack that started in the last four weeks of the regular season. So, it was a combination of two things. It was his ankle got healthy and then taking it to the next level was Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald out there with him because we saw Vaughn healthy with the Broncos, but over the last 
two full seasons that he played, 2019 and then 2021, with the exception of a real nice burst at the start of this season, the sack production wasn't there. Is he a guy, and I'm thinking about this, of guys that I have covered. Uh, I covered Bruce Smith. I covered Derek Thomas. Covered a couple of all-timers. Right. Never covered Lawrence Taylor. What you just said made me think, does Vaughn need help? Is he good enough? He's Listen, he's a Hall of Fame player and, and more than likely first ballot. But the greatest of greats, and we talk about this quite a bit, when you go into the Hall of Fame, everybody is a legendary player. But then there is a small room where only a few guys get a key. With that, I think back to Derek Thomas when I covered him, and Neil Smith was on that team. All right? Bruce Smith, when I covered that team, Cornelius Bennett was on that team. Mm -hmm. Phil Hansen was on that team. He had help. Lawrence Taylor, I understand, had Harry Carson, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Debatable. Carl Banks was a really good player, too. The question is, would Lawrence Taylor have done what he did without those guys? Would Derek Thomas have done what he did without those guys? Would uh, Bruce Smith have done what he did without some help? Because I think what you're saying is, once Vaughn got healthy and he's paired with Floyd mm-hmm. and Donald, watch out. Or can a guy routinely, honestly, like a Lawrence Taylor, I don't care if you put three guys on that guy. Okay, mm-hmm. If he's a dog, there's a stake, and if there are three guys standing in front of him, he's getting that stake. I think Vaughn may have been the type of guy who at one point could have uh, done it as, could have done it on his own if he'd had to. Yeah, but Vaughn historically has been more successful with somebody else. Now that being said, here I think what is happening to Vaughn is he is now playing the role that Demarcus Ware played when he came to Denver, and Ware, while still a very good pass rusher, getting toward the end of his career, wasn't as capable of creating his own right. Rush. He yeah. need, he needed somebody to take the pressure off of him, and not only Vaughn Miller, but on, on the interior, Malik Jackson and Derek Wolf collectively they work together. And when I see Vaughn now, I see him playing the role that Ware did, as in he isn't what he was, right? But he's still very good, and very and and good enough to where. If you have somebody else taking some of the attention, that's going to leave him one-on-one, and he's going to win one-on-one right. very often. And I think that that's kind of what Von Miller, here in year 11, having had a season-long injury in 2020, having an ACL injury in his past, this is what he has evolved into as, so, as somebody who is still a very good player, but he can't be the number one. He needs somebody to take some of the attention off. And in Denver, because Bradley Chubb was dealing with injuries, by and large in recent years, he did not have that. Vaughn is going to be a free agent after this season. If Aaron Rodgers comes here, there's a chance he might want to come back. He might still want to go back to L.A., especially with Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd. I don't know if the Rams could afford him. So, the easy question is, and the obvious question is, well, 
if Aaron Rodgers comes here, do you think Vaughn comes back? But that's not the question I'm going to ask. <laughs> After everything you and I have just said, do you want him back? I'm not sure it's the best expenditure of resources. I agree. Vaughn, you, you, you spelled it out quite nicely. He's much better now at his age when he has help. And, and you know what? He may go out there and win another Super Bowl MVP. I wouldn't bet on it, but he might. And his value is going to skyrocket. And I think any team that spends that type of capital where he's at in his career, I'm, I, don't want to, I, don't, I don't want to bet against Von Miller, but I think if you overpay for Von Miller, you could be making a very big mistake. To your point, I think he's more of a complimentary player now. I mean, that's the thing. There are some teams for whom he'd be a good fit. Yep. The, the Chiefs, obviously, they are in some cap trouble, but if they could structure things right with Frank Clark there, with Chris Jones there, Vaughn could flourish in Kansas City. And I know that is something that no Broncos fan wants to hear. But in Denver, Bradley Chubb just hasn't proven to be that alpha guy. Right. For reasons of injury and just the fact that he's not the type of pass rusher that is going to be Listen, let's dominant. Break. And, but How many sacks did he have last year? He had none. Good, let's go to break. Because that's all he needed to say. He was hurt, but he had none. Exactly. I mean, the truth is, Vaughn, Vaughn may find that the best place for him is right where he is right now. Maybe. Coming up after the break, ESPN.com did a do-over of last year's draft. Do-over. Pat Sertan had a terrific season. But looking at how they redrafted, where do they put Sertan? And should he be nine again, lower, or higher? We'll let you know what ESPN said. We'll give you our thoughts. Because that's what we do. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. SmileEyeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance, the Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303 790 8089. That's 303 790 8089. Okay, ESPN.com did a do over of last year's draft. This is what Jeff Legwald wrote. Broncos GM George Payton has been given the what-if scenario many times about taking Sertan. There's reason to believe he would have changed his mind in this scenario either. Mac Jones helped the Patriots get to the playoffs, and by the way, he was a pro bowler. 
But Jones or Justin Fields or any other rookie quarterback would have been chewed up and spit out in the Broncos' offensive mess this past season when they consistently called plays that didn't fit the personnel on the field. Talk about an indictment of, of uh, Pat Shermer, who, let's face it, Leggy wasn't crazy about. Well, that's that's Jeff Legwold's thing, is the, is emphasizing formation. like, and, and he and I are of like mind of this. Yes, you are. That they should have gone more to tight end. Right. That that was actually the strength of the offense, and they didn't do that. Right. So, six of the first nine selections that actually happened, ESPN agrees with. The only difference is Atlanta taking Micah Parsons ahead of Kyle Pitts. And Pitts was a pro bowler, so that's no right slouch. Well, so is Micah Parsons. Yeah. Miami taking Rashawn Slater instead of Jalen Waddle, And Waddle led all rookies in receptions. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic. And Carolina taking Pitts over J.C. Horn. So with that, let's look at, and I believe I have it up, I'm guessing you do, the redraft, okay? Mm-hmm. Tell me where Sertan should be higher because he, they have Sertan going nine right. to the Broncos, and that's where they took Sertan. Trevor Lawrence went number one. They do that over again a heartbeat, even though he struggled. Zach Wilson over Sertan? They need a quarterback. Correct. They, yes, there you go. Trey Lance over Sertan at number three. Here's where it gets interesting. Yeah. Um, you think they might have taken Mac Jones? But Well, no. Uh, Trey Lance, I think, I think Trey Lance will be fine. I think he will too. But at the same time, one of the things that we caught wind of last spring was that right. Kyle like Shanahan really liked Mac Jones. I'm only talking the rest about the organization wanted. I'm only saying should Sertan have gone higher than Dre Lance? No. No. Okay, because of the importance of the position. They might have picked another quarterback, but they would have still taken a quarterback. Okay. The Falcons took Kyle Pitts. The new pick is Micah Parsons. Should Sertan have gone at least four over Pitts? No. I agree. So so far ESPN's doing a pretty good job. Yes. So far, where they have Sertan. Mm-hmm. Jamar Chase was number five. Best rookie receiving season since Randy Moss. Okay. <laughs> Miami Dolphins took Jalen Waddell. They have a new pick, Rashawn Slater. Pro bowler. Right. And by the way, George Payton likes Slater from what I was told a lot. If Sertan wasn't there. They would have taken Slater. I believe they would have taken Slater. But you're not going to take Sertan over Slater. The Detroit Lions took Penny Sewell. Offensive tackle, would you take Sertan over Sewell? Yes. No. But it's borderline. No. No. Well, Sertan's better right now than Sewell is. Penny Sewell. He should be very good. He's He plays a more important position on the field, and he's still very good. So you think left tackle is more important than cornerback one? I'd say they're probably equal. You can. I mean, you can. Yeah. You beyond can argue Q, that. because beyond QB, I think the next the the next tier beyond quarterback is CB one mm-hmm. edge rusher, blindside protector. Say it one more time. Cornerback one, edge rusher, blindside protector, all equal. You think so? Yes. Oh. Four core positions. I can't. Oh, I, well, I just, those three plus QB are your core rank positions. them. I said they're they're a cluster. I I view them all the same. Well, no, they're, I'm going to ask you six of one half a dozen of the. Well, other. I'm going to ask you to rank them. Now I'm going to ask of those positions. I'm going to ask you to rank them. Okay. Two A, edge rusher, 
So one's edge rusher. Yeah, what's two? Two B is cornerback. One two C is blindside protector. Ugh, I would I would I would flip that. The reason why I, and I and look, I'm not why. saying that ta- that blindside protector isn't important, but if you have a great quarterback, he can compensate for that. The thing that a, a lockdown cornerback one allows you to do is expand your menu coverage wise. I'm with your, you on that. Your sa- your safeties can folk they can focus on either helping the other corner or helping the slot. One can come into the box and and cut off the the running lanes for a, a scrambling quarterback or just the running lanes in general. There's there's a lot you can do if you have a lockdown corner. I mean, it's basically my way of defending the pick. Yeah. Def- Pat Sertan it's is a passing a, league. Pat, Pat Sertan is a defensible pick because he's going to free up the uh, easier Evero to do more things schematically. Okay. I think there are a couple different ways you can skin this cat. It is a passing league, right? So you want that lockdown corner, right? And I'm with you on that. I totally understand that. But in order to pass, your blindside tackle better be really good. Yeah, it better be good. Better be really Because you know what? Actually, th- th- this is my tipping point. I'll tell you why. It's better to have the stud offensive tackle than the stud cornerback. You know why? Because that stud tackle is protecting your most valuable asset, and that's the deal breaker. But if you have a good... No, no. He is protecting. No. He is protecting. I know. I, I'm aware of that. For, but, for, forget about more time to pass. But, but, also, but also, let's look back at when you had a great quarterback here in Peyton Manning. His best season came when your stud left tackle was injured in week two. I understand. And Chris Clark stepped in. So if you, th- there's a certain level of quarterback that allows you to compensate for not having a great left tackle. Well, but you better have one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. Right. So if you have a quarterback that is anywhere between five and 12, I'd rather have the tackle than the cornerback. Okay. Depend- yeah, just, it all depends. So, so is that a fair statement? That's, that's a fair statement. Okay. Not to mention, he is protecting your most valuable asset. Not and, and that I'm not even taking into account it being a passing league and you want more time to pass. Number eight, the Panthers. They took J.C. Horn. Their new pick is Kyle Pitts. This is where it gets interesting. Would, now, I would take Sertan over Horn. Yes. The question is, would you take Sertan over Pitts? For their needs, yes. For the Broncos' needs? For the Panthers' needs. You take Pitts. I would take Sertan if I were the Panthers. Okay. But who would you rather have right now, Pitts or Sertan? Pitts. So would I. But Carolina is so deficient in the secondary right now. Right. And as great as Kyle Pitts is, they don't lack quality pass catchers. They could be better at tight end, but they don't lack for quality pass. The bottom line is the one strength they have. So for Carolina specifically, if I were redrafting in this scenario, I'm taking the same position, but I'm going Sertan rather than Horn. And there's probably not a day that goes by that George Payton doesn't say a little thank you for Carolina taking J.C. Horn over Pat. Sertan. Carolina is is disqualified from this exercise because they took the wrong cornerback and everybody knew Sertan was going to be really good. Why did everybody like J.C. Horn? He's fast. He's fast. He's fast. Upside, baby. He's got upside. (laughs) That's a dangerous word. Sertan was fantastic in college in a league that passes the ball. With a lot of pro receivers that he was dealing with in practice. Right. 
Right. And his fundamentals were solid coming we're out of about college. practice, man. Yeah. So with that, generally speaking, you would say with the redraft, the only thing that you might disagree with is Sertan over Penny Sewell. We will have to agree to disagree on that. Yeah. I'd rather have the left tackle because it is a passing league. I understand it is a passing league, especially in the AFC, especially in the AFC West. I get that. And the other thing also is Sewell is a pretty good tackle, but Sertan has already shown signs of being a great corner. It's just a difference between where the two are today in terms of their quality. That's you, another reason why you could argue for Sertan over Sewell. Do you think it is hard? Listen, probably, for lack of a better phrase, the easiest position to play coming out of college is running back. Yes. What do you think is harder to play coming out of college? Cornerback or left tackle? Tackle. Actually, any offensive line. So with that, maybe we'll revisit this conversation in two years. We will see where Penny Sewell is. But what this should tell you is, just how good Rashawn Slater was with those tiny little arms that everybody talked about, yeah. just like with Kenny Pickett, those tiny little hands. And oh, by the way, Joe Burrow has tiny little hands. They're not as small as Pickett's. But they, they, it's marginal. There's a marginal. Three quarters there. of three an quarters, inch. That's a is, lot, oh, yeah. is it three? Wait. Is the last, I thought Pickett was like eight and three quarters. The last time Pickett was measured, according to reports, he was at eight and a quarter. Oh, eight but and a he quarter. Did, he did not get a measurement at the senior bowl. And the reason was is because he, he talked about his double jointed thumb. Yeah. And the thing about that is it's kind of bent in an odd direction yeah. naturally. So it's exercising it to where they stretch it out so they can find out okay, is he really actually eight and three quarters when. It's well, all stretched out. Well, that that's that's a very good question because because if there's only a quarter of an inch between difference between him and Joe Burrow, that's where you start saying, okay, it's fairly negligible. Yes, Pickett's arm isn't quite as strong as Burrow's, but they have the same timing. They have the same ability to throw receivers open. They're both good on placement, and Pickett actually has a little more mobility than Burrow does. Okay. I will say this about being double-jointed, and it's in his thumb. Is that correct? His right thumb, yes. Okay. His throwing thumb. Well, okay. For all I know, that thing's like a joystick, and you can move it all over the place. And maybe that helps him hold on to the ball better than maybe other people. Well, he's a, he's a two-glove quarterback. But you know what? I mean, Peyton Manning wore two gloves for a good chunk so did of Teddy. his career. Right. Uh, we all think of Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy two-gloves. Yeah. But Peyton Manning was a two-glove glove quarterback and had some of his best days wearing two gloves. So that's not something that scares me. Right. Coming up after the break, there have been a couple of significant trades in the NBA as we head into Thursday's deadline. Where are the Nuggets on this? Are they looking to make a significant trade? I got some info for you about that. Next. Because he's going the distance. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. 
Sports. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Optimum Golf. Take your game to the next level this offseason at Denver's best indoor virtual facility in the Park Hill and Rhino neighborhoods. Book your tee time today at theoptimumgolf.com. Okay, a couple of significant, not blockbuster, but significant trades in the NBA. Buddy Heald was dealt today. Uh, The deadline is Thursday. I have been told the Nuggets are not part of anything that you would even call significant. So chances are they will likely remain status quo. So with that, what are their chances of contending for a title as Jokic is in the running for his second consecutive MVP? Their chances of contending depend entirely on the state of Jamal Murray when he comes back. If he is quickly up to speed, they've got a puncher's chance. If he's not, then it'll be much like last spring. Maybe they Maybe they get done in round one, but they don't go any farther. Well, I think if Jamal Murray comes back, it's going to be around April 1st. And if you just look at the calendar, he was injured. Right. Roughly around April 1st in April. So it's a 12-week recovery. It's much more difficult to recover from a torn ACL if you are a basketball player than if you are a football player. To their credit, they haven't rushed him back. Right. Rushing him back would have meant we'd see him right after the All-Star game. They're going to wait until around April Fool's Day. And that would give him roughly, I believe that would give him about, uh, if I'm not mistaken, eight to ten games in the regular season to kind of get his scene legs under him, so to speak. Right. And again, you're not expecting him to be 100%, but if Jamal Murray is 90%, that's enough to give this team a viable shot in the playoffs against anybody that they'll see. At the risk of um, sounding completely pessimistic, why are they? Why? Why are their hopes even that high? If we're talking about a guy coming back who's not even an All Star, who's been inconsistent, generally speaking, for his entire career. Inconsistent, generally speaking, but just it's gonna give the Nuggets another option on a night that Jokic is struggling. I mean, right now, if if Jokic is having an off night in any way, shape, or form, unless you're playing the Jazz B team like they they did when Jokic was out uh, last week, they don't have a chance. It's it's DOA. I mean, right, right now, if the playoffs started today, the Nuggets would take on the Memphis Grizzlies. Right. Ja. Yes, exactly. It it would be a very, it's a great, even though they're not facing each other head to head, it's a great individual matchup because you have arguably two of the top four players in the game today. I think Jokic. In in Jokic and Ja. But if you have Jamal Murray out there, then I think the the Nuggets have a little more firepower to win that, to win that matchup in seven games, especially against a team in Memphis that doesn't have the same level of playoff experience as this Nuggets core does. If it's Nuggets Grizzlies and Jamal Murray is at 90%, I like the Nuggets' chances to win it in six. Right. 
Nikola Jokic this season has had maybe, because I'm looking at his stat line, when he's played 25 minutes, mm-hmm. okay? And I'm only talking about 25 minutes. Yeah. So give me, so he's going to at least play 40 minutes in the playoffs. Yes. He's maybe had three off nights the entire year. Mm-hmm. The entire season. Yeah. So what would you consider an off night? Scoring 18 points or less? Eight, 18 and uh, he doesn't reach a double-double. 18 and he doesn't reach a double-double. Yeah. Um, that happened against Portland in which he played 28 minutes. Mm-hmm. 20 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. That's still a pretty good night. Would you agree? Yes. He played 25 minutes against OKC. Just 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. 13 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. But it was only, again, 25 minutes. He scored 17 against the Bulls, but then had 12 rebounds and 15 assists. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty hard to honestly find an off night for him. The thing about oh, Jokic, let me, let me go through well, one more it's game. because he finds ways to contribute when the shots aren't falling. Almost every game I'm referring to, where we've talked about an off night, he's played 25 minutes. Yes. That's it. So I'll give you another off night that he had. You have to go all the way back to October. Played 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. 11 points, 16 rebounds, and 8 assists. For most people, that's still a damn good night. Well, that's when they killed Dallas, right? That's right. 106 to 75. Only played 25 minutes. So when you look at him on off nights Mm -hmm. against the Bulls, 17, Holden scored 17, played 36 mm-hmm. minutes, but also had 12 points and 15 rebounds. I'm not so sure in games where he has played 25, less, less than 25 minutes, he's had an off night. Yeah. So and my point in saying this is he is beyond the off night. He really is. He's not going to have off nights because to your point, he will find other ways to beat you. That's what makes superstars superstars. They don't have off nights. And, and that's why Jamal Murray is far from being a star in this league. Well, he's a very good player. He's a very good player. And the thing, what? But you don't know, but he's but like here, a box of chocolates. No, but here's the, yeah. And, and a lot of it is, is, is going to be determined by if his shot's falling or not. Now, one thing, as Jokic has taken his game to another level, I think he's gone to another level since Jamal Murray's injury. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. As great as he was, he hit a higher level. That's why his points are up. Right. His points are up because Murray's not in the lineup or but, MPJ. But because of that, all of a sudden, if you throw if you throw Jamal Murray out there and Jokic is still getting that attention, what is he gonna do? He's gonna he's gonna pop it out to Jamal. Who's probably going to be able to square up and shoot. Right. Relatively unhurried. Right. Which is the which is also in terms of what he can do well, the easiest thing on his knee. To square to to square up and shoot, he's going to be right. relatively unruffled, and because of that, even Jamal Murray at ninety percent returning makes this team extremely dangerous. Got some breaking news here. This coming from Bloomberg, so a very credible media source. Media tycoon Byron Allen is preparing to bid for the Denver Broncos. A move, if successful, would make him the first black majority owner of an NFL team. Byron Allen, I had no idea. Byron Allen had yeah. that type of money. I, I had no idea either. And by the way, there's a group I read in the LA Times. We're talking that, We're talking about the Byron Allen that was on real people back in the early 80s, right? Right. Yes. 
And I read there's another group out of L.A. that is looking to bid. And there are like a lot of hedge, three hedge fund people. And one of the guys, his brother is the owner of another team. Was it the Nets? Who was it? He was the owner yeah. of another team. And one of them involved uh, actually played for Tom Izzo, the youngest of them. That's right. He's he 42. For, yes. Right. Byron Allen, that'd be kind of cool. It would fit really what the NFL wants. Sure does. If uh, the NFL could have an ideal situation here, it would involve a main. It would involve the primary owner of the Broncos being black. You know what hasn't leaked yet? Which group Manning is a part of? Because that is your news. What do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance? Just in case you missed it. Well, we've got some more news that came out just before the show, and uh, it pertains in large part to something that you guys done and have missed of years of late because people haven't been able to get in the locker rooms. Patrick Saunders has an interesting, I guess, tweet, not a story, but a tweet about that. And also uh, we'll talk about some Olympics because they're not getting enough attention. So we're going to give them attention here on this show. That's coming up next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Back Afternoon Drive, Goodman, Mason, watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us, Rocky Mountain Forest Products, Twitter feed, at Mace Denver, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale on to the public, go to rmfp.com. Before we went into break, wanted to tell you about that Bloomberg news that uh, media tycoon Byron Allen, who owns many different properties, including the Weather Channel, is preparing a bid for the Broncos. This from the article, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell and New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft came to me in November of 2019 and asked me to take a good look at buying an NFL team. That's what Byron Allen told Bloomberg in a statement you and I were speculating, and it's pure speculation in the break. What group is Manning a part of? Well, let's try and connect some dots here. Byron Allen, a media guy. Johnny Carson, one of Allen's mentors, a media guy. David Letterman, one of Manning's good friends, a media guy. And, and now course, Peyton and Carson Manning and Letterman were very tight. And now Peyton Manning having his own production company like Byron Allen has his own media company. What these people all understand is that the real money is in owning what you do. And that goes back that goes back to Johnny Carson. Carson Productions owned the Tonight Show. You know what? That's where he raked in his big bucks. You know what? We keep talking about NFL games moving to Apple TV and Amazon. Coming up next on the Weather Channel, the Broncos against the Chiefs. Because Byron Allen owns the Weather Channel. There you go. <laughs> Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two for one wine. Well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. 
just in case you missed it, Jesse Diggins won bronze in the individual sprint in cross country and became the first U.S. athlete to medal in the event. Uh, have either of you ever gone cross country skiing? Yeah. Yeah. Did you like it? No. I'm not. not really. I'm not. I'm not a big fan either. I'm a downhill skier. No. Not really. I'm not a cross country skier. I'm not uh, downhill skiing. I. Skier, I had trouble keeping my balance. I can think of about a thousand things I'd rather do than fall face first into the snow. Not my thing. I have cross country skied, not crazy about it. I've snowshoed, not crazy about it. I've snowboarded at a pretty decent level, not crazy about it. I've gone skiing, pretty decent level, not crazy about it. Honestly, at my age, I, I, I it, tearing an ACL is just not worth it to me for a sport. I'm just not that crazy about it. I wouldn't tear it on a snowboard. But skiing, yeah, there's a possibility. Yeah, I love skiing. I know. So you're not speaking my language no, there. But not. I understand the. Ri- it is a risky sport. It's it a is. very risky sport. I'm not hooked on it. That's the thing. You are. I am, You yes. have that adrenaline rush, age. and I think that's great for you. An adrenaline rush for me is pounding it 300 yards off the tee. That's an adrenaline rush for me. Just in case you missed it, Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post tweeted just before our show, uh, the Baseball Writers Association of America has been advised by MLB that pending approval from the MLB Players Association, the plan is to reopen clubhouses to credentialed media members pre- and post-game in 2022, provided there are games. Uh, Will the MLB PA approve, and do you expect other leagues to follow suit? I think the MLBPA, they don't necessarily want this, but there are other battles that they would rather fight that I think are more important. So I think ultimately you'll see reporters back in clubhouses. And assuming that Omicron it re- results in kind of an ebbing of, uh, of the coronavirus pandemic, I expect locker rooms are, gonna, are going to reopen. And I would, I would say right now, if I were betting, I bet on NFL locker rooms being reopened this fall. Well, if they are, that's going to change the complete dynamic of our show. Because one one reason you told me you wanted us to do a show together was all the work that Les and I did in the locker room together, which we thoroughly enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Constantly doing interviews, constantly getting information, and I it would be a blast to be able to stand next to you talking to a couple players and just getting great info. Likewise, I think, uh, not that we don't do a good show here. I'm proud of what we, we do. We, we really don't. <laughs> but I don't. But if we're back, really. but but if but if clubhouses and locker rooms are back open, I think it's... Game it, on. For us, it, it's definitely game on. And, and not just for the Broncos as well. Yeah. Just in case you missed it, the last two NBA champions facing off tonight on TNT, 8 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time, as the Bucks and Giannis are in L.A. taking on LeBron and the Lakers. Which team is a legitimate title contender this year? The Bucks. More of one. The Bucks. I should say. I'd say the Bucks are. The, I mean, the Lakers can't get out of their own way. The Lakers, you're, that's a great way of putting it. They can't get out of their own way. And Milwaukee, look, we saw how bad they looked against the Nuggets a week or a week and a half ago. But that's the team that I don't think they're sandbagging, but that's a team that very strongly feels like after the last couple of years, they know what switches they have to flick. And don't forget, the last year's NBA season went into July. 
And of course, you had the the bubble season before that, and then you had the Olympics right after that, and you had a couple of Bucks players on the the U.S. national team. The Bucks are have been a tired team, and I watched them some nights, and I think this is a team that is definitely pacing itself to try to be ready for the playoffs, knowing that these games at this moment for them aren't all that important. Which has been LeBron's strategy the last yeah. couple of years, but he might be getting a little old for that. Yeah. yeah. That was Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, Mandy just got a stack of a washer and dryer from Mountain High Appliance. You know, full disclosure here, she had to wait a little while because of supply chains like everybody else's. It finally got there. They had it on her driveway. The guys opened the box and there was a small ding in it. That stuff just kind of happens. But what I loved about Mountain High Appliance was they refused to bring it in the house. They said, we're not bringing you damaged goods. We are going to take it back. For starters, that's honesty, that's integrity, and that's great customer service. Then she talked to their customer service department and the sales guy the next day and talk about making it right. They communicated. They made it right for Mandy. And when you work with a company, whether you're buying an appliance or you're buying something that's five bucks, you want to work with a company that has integrity. You want to work with a company that has salespeople that can help you upfit your entire kitchen or help you find something to fit your budget. Nobody does it better than Mountain High Appliance. You can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, CBSSports.com graded all of the coaching hires. Now that all of the coaches have been hired for the teams that didn't have coaches, what did they give Nathaniel Hackett as a grade? We'll tell you next.